You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode, we're adventuring into another fab fact. It's no laughing matter in the randomizer. And the countdown to Anderson Comics expert Shaki Levicont starts now. That's all coming up in pod 218 of the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Can you see anything different about my uh, surroundings, Richard James? Wait, have you had your hair cut? What, what is it? <laughs> what have you done? That is a, that's a very sorry. unkind thing to say. Yeah, it was, it was a bit uh, low. Yes, it does look like now you seem to have moved, Jamie. Where are you? Mm. Well, I'm still in the same location, but I've moved oh. into a different room. <laughs> All right. And it's very exciting because it's, it's about a third bigger than my old office. And, um, and I've got a lovely view of the yeah. mountain. Yeah. And uh, it's a very nice place to be. No, it's great. It's just a shame we're not on video because it's like one of those moments in, say, Space 1999, where yeah. you suddenly, in season two, perhaps, see a whole new room in main mission that you'd never seen before. Yeah. It's Are you saying exciting. this is the start of the equivalent of Space yeah. 1999 that, year two of the podcast? Yeah. It's all downhill from now on. That's Bring on the rubber monsters and <laughs> uh, the Benny Hill theme. No, oh. no, don't. please don't do that. Oh, um uh, no, anyway, look, uh, I, from a brand new location, am uh, Jamie Anderson. Yes. And astonished and by my brand new location yeah. is, is is you. That's right, that's me. That, that's, that's Richard James in, in my old location. Yeah. And unfortunately, because mm. I've moved office, ah. and it seems that I haven't actually given right. Chris Dale the randomised forwarding yeah. address. Yeah. So he's not here. Ah, It's a bit like when you move and you haven't told Father Christmas where you live now. Yeah. It's always a worry, isn't it? It is, it, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm feeling a bit stressed about it, but I think it'll be fine because he normally turns up on time. But when Chris does eventually get here, yep. uh, he will be doing the randomizer where he randomly chooses a random episode of a random Jerry Anderson series or film and gives you his review of it. Almost yes. in real time, in fact. They're quite long, the randomizer sections, aren't oh, yeah. they? But uh, yeah. means you get to feel like you're watching it with him and they're always very entertaining and perhaps the most highly anticipated part of the podcast. Well, that is true, yes. So what are the most lowly anticipated bits of the podcast in that case Richard James <laughs> well look I mean, what did you say this was 218 so I mean mm, imagine yeah. are there really people tuning in for the very first time to this podcast do I really have to spell it out what's coming up do well, I have just... to mention for example <laughs> yes that we've got some newsy news 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 in the Jerry Anderson universe do I do. even have to broach the subject that we've got fab facts coming up in a little while and do mm, I probably. even have to tell them that we have uh, an interview with uh, Shaki Levecont uh, which I believe is... Uh, is it UFO-related? It is UFO-related. It is comics-related, yes. because Jackie go. used to run the fantastic Anderson Comics website, which had everything listed, you know, and he's one of the, the prime the primary experts in all things yep. Anderson Comics and yep. has been the creative consultant, I mean, you know, editor in all but name, I would say, of uh, the recent UFO comic anthology. So he's here to talk about the process, the challenges, the interesting bits, the bits you should look out for, 
and a bit about the artists and all sorts uh, to do with UFO comics and beyond. Oh, well, so that's certainly worth mentioning. But, but is it really worth mentioning that in between everything that I've just mentioned... We'll be hearing from our wonderful Podstrons, that's the listeners themselves, who've been emailing us at podcast.jerryanderson.com. They've been uh, contributing to our Facebook group, and uh, uh, one or two of them have even been hashtagging us on Twitter, hashtag jerryandersonpodcast, and also commenting on our YouTube channel. Do I really have to mention all that just on the off chance that there's someone listening for the first time? Well, now you mention it, I probably wouldn't bother. um... Oh. Oh, I think I just did, though. Oh, oh, well, oh, well. There if there is somebody new, then yeah. now they are much the wiser. Yeah. Uh, if you are new, you will also uh, be excited to learn that every week we bring you a fab fact. And the best thing about a fab fact is that Richard James doesn't like it. So <laughs> without further hesitation, should we have a fab fact, Richard James? Yeah. Sorry about that, listener. Now, time for this week's fab facts. Fab facts. Mm. Uh, a fan favourite of those who like fab facts. Anyway, uh, I've got a book of fab facts. Here's me giving it a bit of a little slap and a tickle. There we are. And uh, I'll be flicking through that very shortly. Richard will cry fab. And because of the shock of his shout, I'll stop flicking (laughs) and uh, hopefully land then upon a page in the book of fab facts with an interesting fact about something from the world of Anderson. Are you ready? Well, is that actually what happens? The shock of my shouting stops you on a... I had no idea. It's not a conscious thing. It's my mistake. It's the only way I could find to do it. Yeah. Uh, Right, ready. Yes, when you are. (laughs) The flicking is beginning now. Fab! (laughs) Yeah, I almost got a paper cut with that one. Oh, cracky. There's a picture power. of a ventriloquist dummy on this page. Um, right. But that's not the page that we're going to be drawing the fab fact from. Okay. <laughs> it's the opposite page. Now, All right. many Space 1999 fans have wondered what the show might have been like if Barry Morse's Professor Bergman had ever met Catherine Shell's Meyer. Yeah. However, did you know, Richard James and listener, that Barry Morse and Catherine Shell actually did co-star together in an ITC action series in the early 1970s. Oh, yes, they did. Really? That series was The Adventurer, starring Gene Barry as the world's greatest actor-slash-sportsman-slash-businessman-slash-secret agent of all time ever, Gene Bradley, uh, who often worked for a branch of British intelligence run by a man named Mr. Parminter. Is that oh, right? Nice. Parminter? Yeah. yeah, I like it. Yeah. I don't know. Isn't that terrible? I, I've, no, I've never seen the Mr. adventure. Parminter. But Mr. Parminter was played by Barry Morse. Ah. Initially, two of Mr. P's top agents were to be recurring characters played by Catherine Schell uh, and UFO in Space 1999 guest star Stuart Damon, also of The Champions who would assist Gene in various missions. The basic idea of the series was a bit similar to Joe 90, but instead of who would suspect a nine-year-old boy as a secret agent, it was, in fact, who would suspect that the greatest movie star in the history of cinema is a secret agent. <laughs> sure, see? okay. It's a little yeah. bit different. Yeah. Perhaps not the best idea for a series, but the week format was easily the least of the show's many problems. Oh, dear. Now, because Gene Barry arrived in the UK with some, uh, let's say, issues... Uh, and one of them was to do with his height. He always wanted to be the tallest actor on screen and so felt rather threatened by the heights of both Catherine Schell and particularly the gigantic Stuart Damon. He's not that big, but he's bigger than Gene Barry. How strange. Um, After two episodes working with Stuart, it all got too much for Gene Barry, who pulled some strings and got Stuart fired. All for the crime of being (gasps) too tall. Wow. The shorter Ed Bishop 
then did a one-episode stint in the role of Gene's sidekick, but he never returned either. Then, Garrick Hagen of Doctor Who, Star Wars and Starfleet fame was hired to be the male sidekick, but he and Catherine only lasted until the eighth episode, until Gene Barry worked behind the scenes to have them both fired. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Mm. Crazy, isn't it? The the power that stars had and perhaps still have. Now, Barry Morse, meanwhile, had quickly realised that the best way to handle Gene's ego was to butter him up with constant compliments. And thus, (laughs) he became one of the few people on the show that Gene was happy to work with. Ultimately, Barry ended up directing several episodes of the series himself, possibly because nobody else wanted to do it, particularly any any tall directors. Uh, Halfway through the show's run, however... Gene Barry went on holiday, but in order to keep the production going, or perhaps just to get the damn thing finished quicker, the uh, production team rehired Catherine Schell and Garrett Hagen to star alongside Barry Morse in two or three episodes that were made while Gene was away. Well, Needless that's to say, amazing. I know, isn't it? You wouldn't happen. Oh, well, I can't imagine well, having now. Well, the fact that maybe they came back. I mean, you know, would you? Well, paying work, isn't it? And especially yeah, if they said, true. "Well, Gene's away, so you'll be yeah, fine." Maybe. Anyway, needless to say. These are quite clearly the best episodes of the show. Plans were made to keep Catherine and Garrick around, but on his return from holiday, Gene was not happy to discover them back on the scene. Tensions finally came to a head when Gene actually shouted at Catherine while on set, and Catherine promptly got up and shouted back at him, which he was not used to. Good for her. As you might expect, Catherine Shell never appeared on the show again. Uh, Harry Morse and Garrett Hagen both managed to hang on in there until the whole sorry mess was finally put out of its misery after 26 episodes. Wow. Goodness me, I want to watch it now. Yeah, that's extraordinary. Well, this is a great advert for The Adventurer. Uh, Yes. The Adventurer is out on DVD from Network, and if you're in the mood for an ITC series where almost nothing works, uh, it is a fascinatingly bad watch. Everything we've covered here only scratches the surface of its many, many problems. And plenty of those are covered in interviews on the DVDs with Barry Morse, Catherine Schell and Stuart Damon. But not, you might be surprised to hear, Gene Barry. Now, you may be wondering, what on earth does this have to do with the Anderson universe aside from the presence of Barry Morse and Catherine Schell? (laughs) I mean, I'm wondering myself at this point. Well, one other interesting fact about The Adventurer is that Lou Grade commissioned the series after being asked to create two half-hour shows for American television. One of those was The Adventurer, and the other was The Protectors. See, ah. it comes back to Anderson eventually every single <laughs> time. So yeah. while we perhaps don't show it too much love on the Jerry Anderson podcast, for good reason, and it definitely wasn't a happy production either, making The Protectors seems to have been like a trip to Disneyland compared to making its sister series The Adventurer. Also, it's rather satisfying in a way that these two shows with very, very similar formats were created and launched side by side, and yet it was the Anderson show that was successful enough to get a second season that, along with the first, is Mm -hmm. still being repeated in the UK to this day, while The Adventurer pretty much faded into obscurity after one season, thanks mostly to Gene Barry and his enormous ego. Oh, but not his enormous height. Absolutely not that. <laughs> wow. What an extraordinary story. I, I, mean, I mean, it do, is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And do those things still happen? I don't know. I'm not sure. I've not heard stories about people sacking people because of their height. We certainly hear stories about actors who, uh, you know, are maybe keen to be seen opposite certain co-stars who may be shorter than them. But we don't yeah. really hear stories about actors being sacked midway through a job because the leading actor has decided that they're too tall. 
No. I mean, it does. No. Certainly, you, you hear stories of it on behind the scenes stuff. I mean, we, you and I, Richard, were talking about a a franchise before this, which we can't mention because it'll possibly get said person in trouble. Mm. But I know said person who worked behind the scenes was not looked upon kindly or fondly by a producer who was brought on, on board and said producer worked to have him removed from the production through ah. no fault of his own. Ah. So, And that's only, I don't know, five or six years ago. So these things definitely yeah. still happen yeah. Yeah. behind the cameras and probably in front of them too, but we just don't hear of it because uh, NDAs are quite sure. um, prevalent yep. these days, aren't we? Aren't they? Yes. Non-disclosure agreements for those not in the know of that particular yeah. three-letter acronym. That's true. I, I mean, my main concern about that whole fab fact was at one point you said that the weak format was the least of the show's problems. I think yes. our weak format is the biggest problem of the podcast. <laughs> Do you? Don't you? Uh, I suppose. Is that a compliment? <laughs> I can't even tell anymore. Take it um, how you will. Yeah, I think it meant our weekly format, uh, but uh, <laughs> yes. yes. Well, and that. You were thinking <laughs> W-E-A-K. Indeed. Anyway, there you go. Anyway, um, anywho. Anywho, Gene Barry's enormous ego and uh, all the stuff of the adventurer. And just, it is quite interesting, isn't it, that, you know, you put the two side by side. The Anderson Run show does better, even though that one had all sorts of problems with its stars and how difficult they yeah. were. Yeah, You know, that's true. So, mm. there you go. Similar, similar but different. Anyway, goodness me. That's the end of that one, I think. Shall we bring this one to a close? Yeah, it's about time, I think. Good. That brings us to the end of this week's... Sacked Fact! <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say size fact, but sacked fact is so much better. I oh, think brilliant. I get bonus points, don't I, for rhyming? I mean, Surely. bonus points and a, and a jelly baby. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, our <laughs> lovely podstrons have been emailing us at podcast at jerryanderson.com. Of course they have. And here is a, a small sample of some of their missives. For example, John Twinning, who describes himself as a lifelong fan of your dad's work, Jamie, says, Hello, Jamie and Richard. In pod 215, says John, you asked the question, are there aliens in Thunderbirds? And made reference to some sculpted monsters that have been photographed and appeared in some of the comic strips. Hope I have that right, says John. Well, what about the unexplained strangers who lived inside the Lost Pyramid and abduct Scott, Wilson and Lindsay in the episode The Uninvited? They later tried to shoot down Thunderbird 2. Their presence never really seems to get explained, as far as I can recall. But could these have been aliens? I always thought of them as such, given their strange clothes and language. They're not your typical representation of Middle Eastern characters in the show. So who or what were they? For me, it was a question which was never answered in any way. Have a great next podcast and keep well. Best wishes from John Twinning. What do you think about that? Well, John, hmm. I believe that they were, in fact, a mysterious tribe. Okay. That lived, that uh, hit, sort of lived in a hideout in a uh, a lost pyramid. Yeah, um, and that it was a kind of um, you know when you get an offshoot of a, uh, a tribal group or something, and they they develop completely away from the rest of civilization. I see. I think it's that they weren't okay. actually aliens, even though they appeared as such. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, mm. I'm very yeah. happy to be corrected on that. 
yeah, yeah. Uh, Phil Steer has got in touch. I know you'd be pleased to hear that. Uh, now, he sent us a lovely photograph, which, of course, I can't show you on the podcast, but I'm going to keep it for a few months and put it up on our Facebook group. And in just a moment, you'll see why I'm going to keep it for a few months. He says, hello, all. I didn't have a design for this year's Thunderbirds Christmas jumper, but here's one especially for Jamie. Joe 90 themed, of course. A tree adorned with big rat baubles. Ah, and he sent us a lovely picture saying it's a bit too visual for the podcast, perhaps. But if you think it's worth it, please feel free to post it to the Facebook group and or elsewhere. Thanks. Best wishes to you and all the Podstrons from Phil. It's a lovely, lovely jumper. And I can see you wearing it over the festive period, Jamie. Can you? Right. It's amazing uh, how quickly you can nothing. go off people, yep. isn't it? Okay. Uh, this is from Big Al. Uh, now, <laughs> uh, last time we heard from Alex Pass, he was, I think, about to go on his honeymoon. So this is a mission report from Dubrovnik in Croatia. Uh, Stand by for action T-shirt ably stood up to 34 degree temperatures. However, the cold beverages pod has been thoroughly depleted. SPA, Sunny Podstron Adventures, Big Al on Holiday. P.S. Our next trip is exploring some Slovenian caves and an underground lake. The Mole and Thunderbird 4 will hopefully not be needed. Mm. Yeah. Well, I hope you're having a great time, uh, Al. Uh, in fact, by the time you hear this, you might even be back. I don't know. But do let us Welcome know. Welcome back. You're... Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, <laughs> hello, Richard and Jamie. It says Simpsons Clips 24. I don't mean to get too big headed, but being the Andiverse's Lavender Castle expert, and I don't think any of us can really argue with that, can we? No. Uh, he says, it really gets my goat whenever I see TV listings of the show that get any aspect of the show wrong. Ah, so this is in the continuing theme of Ander wrongs. Oh. And the wrongs. Yeah, things that people get wrong about Anderson <laughs> shows. Uh, take, for example, says uh, Simpsons Clips, the listing for the episode in the beginning in the 7th of January 1999 section of an edition of the Radio Times. There's a paragraph that states the model animation action is set on a city deep in space and features the battle between good and evil, which makes me cringe. For one thing, the action set on the paradox and not Lavender Castle itself. Yeah. To those who edited that edition of the Radio Times, I say, stop getting Jerry Anderson wrong. S.I.G. Simpson Slips 24. I mean, it's quite a while to hold a grudge, I would say, about, um, it about is. that. But you're, but you're right. Yes. You're right. Absolutely. Some things just get right under the skin, don't they? Now, uh, it's quite a long one here from Steve Rogers. Hi, guys. Thank you for the weekly excellent podcast. Here, he says, are some contentious anderongs. Supercar. Mitch is a monkey. He cannot be a chimpanzee as he has a tail. And being a monkey also means he's not an ape. I know Beaker refers to Mitch as a chimpanzee in at least one episode, but all that means in-universe is that Beaker is wrong. Oh, Uh, Captain Scarlet. The good captain is virtually indestructible, as stated many times in both series. Ergo, he's not immortal and therefore can die. If he were to be vaporised, his atoms would not reanimate and reform. If he was to be blown up to pieces, his parts would not reassemble themselves. If he was to be decapitated, his body would not grow a new head or his head grow a new body. He would be dead. Although, if he were to grow new heads and bodies and in effect duplicate himself, then Spectrum could have an army of dispensable Scarlet to fight the war of nerves with the Mysterons. It's true, he's virtually indestructible. Mm. So well, they, there's they the do, jeopardy. Yeah. They do say virtually, don't they? But yeah, yeah they never, right. never really played that in the series yeah. to say, or oh, maybe you could be. Maybe this time he's gone too yeah. far. That's I right. think we uh, maybe deal with that a bit in uh, the new Captain Scarlet graphic novel Operation ah. Sabre, just FYI. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay, uh, Thunderbirds, it's 2065, not 2026. We've all seen that calendar in Give or Take a Million, but said calendar is wrong. Check it out. Christmas Day does not fall on a Sunday in 2026, as the episode implies. In the same episode, we have four close-ups of Jeff's desk calendar, which, although gives no year date, does have days and dates that do tally up with the year 2067. And it's totally plausible that Give or Take a Million is set two years after Trapped in the Sky. Are we going to dispute this by saying that... In universe, Jeff got it wrong four times, meaning he doesn't know what day of the week it is, even though it tallies with Christmas Day being on a Sunday. Also, if we're going to use in-universe year dating as an argument, there are many times we see newspaper headlines in several episodes that are clearly dated as 1964, yet this is conveniently completely ignored. I think that's a very strong case, and I wouldn't want to argue against it. (laughs) Well, he says, there you go. That's the hornet's nest well and truly stirred up. Time to get my coat whilst ducking as I leave. Keep up the great work. Kind regards from Steve Rogers. Well, thanks, Steve. Coming in here, leaving all that over the place and just just disappearing. Leaving us to clear it up. Yeah, what a mess. Thanks, Steve. Ah, the emails we're going to get now. But anyway, what do you think, Podsterons? What things... Do people get wrong about the Jerry Anderson universe that really get your goat? Let us know. <laughs> yes, you can still call them Anderongs or or, yeah. or grinds Anything my gears like. or gets yeah. my goat or whatever yeah, you like. Yeah. Really. yeah, that's right. Uh, very good. Um, yeah. Are you done for a minute? Would you like some newsy stuff? Oh, yes, let's have some newsy new stuff. Okay, fine. Well, it's uh, the Jerry Anderson news in that case. Yeah, great. Here we go. Yes, it's the Jerry Anderson news, 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 news. Let right in there. I normally get a little chance, but no, no, no time today. News, 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 news. (sighs) Okay, right. Uh, Well, as always, there's some news. Uh, Let's start with this one. Let's start with something Moonbase Alfrey. I may mention it last week actually, but we found a little stock of leftover Conquer the Moon posters and Space 1999 mission patches that were originally sent out to pre-ordering customers of the Moonbase Alpha Technical Operations Manual. Well, there's about 30 of them left in stock. We bundled them together and you can grab them for $14.99 for the pair from the Jerry Anson store now. Uh, Danger Zone is on the way. So prepare to enter said Danger Zone very, very soon. Oh yeah. But uh, Andrew Harmon, who designed the game, has been speaking to me. We've got some interview stuff coming up. We've got previews of the card art. We've got a gameplay uh, video trailer. Loads and loads of stuff coming up. Uh, And Danger Zone will be released at the end of this month, fingers crossed. So we're very excited about that. And I think you're going to enjoy playing it. Yeah. This Friday, you can get a Thunderbirds notebook with a 1971 annual cover. It's the orange annual, which I'm sure lots of you will remember with a lovely Thunderbird 2 shot on the front. Well, we've taken that art, shrunk it down onto a notebook, and uh, you can get a bit of a dose of nostalgia while being terribly organised with your stationery. So that will be available from this Friday. Also this week, on the 18th of August... Well, it's happy birthday, Pam Rose. Yes, Pam Rose, who lots of you will know from the convention circuit and from Space 1999. It's her birthday on the 18th, so happy birthday, Pam. For those of you who are waiting for updates on the Standby for Action concert soundtrack and DVD Blu-ray, I've got an update for you. We are just now signing off the packaging for the original soundtrack, which is a lovely, quite expansive little booklet, actually. A nice addition to the soundtrack. 
So that should be going off to production shortly. And I'm pleased to say that the edit for the, uh, the concert for the DVD and Blu-ray is now complete. We're just putting the final finishing touches to that before it goes off for replication. Uh, and I will send out a nice little update to anybody who's pre-ordered that shortly. Oh, exciting. Finally, do follow us on Spotify if you'd like. Now, if you're listening on Spotify or you are a Spotify user, then if you go to ander.sn slash Spotify, that's A-N-D-R dot S-N slash Spotify, it'll take you to our account on Spotify where you'll find a couple of playlists, including one of them, which is the music to accompany your playthrough of Thunderbird's Danger Zone when you get it. There's also a podcast playlist and there'll be lots more there in due course too. So head over to ander.sn slash Spotify and uh, give us a follow. That's all, I think. That was the news. That was the news. Lovely. What? Yeah. Fine voice today. I mean, you're well, always in you. fine voice, but of it was a p- particularly... Oh, someone's joining of, um, in. Who's that? Uh, someone I yapping. think that yeah. is... Betty, maybe? Oh, bless. Because you know there's another dog that's just joined the clan. There's always another dog. Yeah, no, Tiny Tim has just joined. So, okay. Yeah. How do they settle in when they're new? Is that always oh, okay? Or there's as many as we've got here, they just... Yeah, they, they just, just get find their place. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. Great. My life is filled with puppies and, and wean and, and other puppy excrement. <laughs> Ah, a little insight into the Anderson family home. Uh, Now, uh, you're listening, in case there's any doubt, and after that last remark there might be, to the Jerry Anderson podcast. Now, don't forget, you can subscribe to us uh, on whichever platform you're listening to us on to be sure that you hear every episode. And also, we would be forever in your debt if you were to leave us a nice review and a rating, which we call a revating. And a five-star review will work wonders for the algorithms and will make sure that lots of other people get to hear us too. Uh, and also, of course, you can always copy the link to your socials so your friends can uh, can join in the fun. Uh, now, talk about uh, joining in the fun over on our Facebook group. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash podstrons. They've been having a whale of a time. Richard Goodburn says, uh, here's a bit of a possible fab fact for you. Uh, while watching a World War II documentary, there was a variation of the US Sherman tank called by a certain name, Firefly. It was fitted with a 17B anti-tank gun and at times a bulldozer blade. You could say that its look was the inspiration for International Rescue's eponymous firefighting tank. Yeah, might well have been. I'm sure they would have taken inspiration from from kit around at the time. Now, Adam Reed has a slight problem with the new Strictly Come Dancing series that's about to start here in the UK, in that he keeps mistaking Richie Anderson, a radio and TV presenter who's taking part in the Strictly lineup, for Jamie Anderson. Uh, for some oh. reason, he says, I completely misread it as Jamie Anderson. I wonder, Jamie, would you be any good? And if you were on this show, which Anderson character would you choose to be your dance partner? Open to all fellow Podstrons too. I'd choose Parker, he said, for his rumba, obviously. <laughs> Well, you, you know very well, Richard James, that I have done well, a Strictly before. I, I did include a link to a newspaper article to the very occasion. Yeah. Oh, did right. you? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, uh, dear, oh, dear. Yes, I did Strictly Oxford. And I did, in fact, this, uh, this, I mean, this shames me slightly, but <laughs> it wasn't my fault. It was forced upon me. Uh, <laughs> I did a Charleston and Quickstep combo to Busted Thunderbirds Argo. <laughs> <laughs> and I even did a really lame cartwheel at the start of it. Uh, oh, I don't remember that. I must have blanked that out. Oh, I can't it was terrible. Because I came to see Absolutely. you. Yeah. 
absolutely terrible. But there we go. Yes, it was it was Brilliant. fun, but I, I I can feel my cringe gland firing at the thought of it. Uh, Jonathan Westall says, uh, watched three more episodes of Captain Scarlet with my nephew tonight. I do find watching the aircraft sequences in Seek and Destroy a bit dull, as I feel they were dragged out too much and there was no music whatsoever. If they had added some music for those scenes, it could have made the episode more enjoyable, but that's just my opinion, unless Chris Dale has said something similar when that episode came up on the randomizer back in pod 149. Uh, plan to watch some more again tomorrow, SIG from... Jonathan Westall. Well, I don't know. The only way to know what Chris Dale thought is to go back and listen to Pod 149 and hear what he had to say about the episode Seek and Destroy. You're but it is right. amazing, isn't it? What, what what music can do to a to a scene. Oh, it's more important yeah. than people think, I think. Uh, all music and sound does so much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. picture without music and sound. <sighs> music and yeah. sound alone, suddenly, that's enough to convey a lot of what's going on and to keep you hooked. Yeah, so yeah, massively right. undervalued. And the people that work on uh, sound design and music generally, I think are often underappreciated. Uh, now, look, Jamie, you're being taken to task a bit over on the Facebook group. Oh, no, uh, what have I done now? It's my duty to let you know. Well, Danny Houston says, Hi, Podstrons. Well, last night I finished watching The Secret Service on BritBox. It was a short but sweet series. I really enjoyed it, even though it's taken me about 53 years to get round to it, lol. Uh, <laughs> it does feel like this. Uh, it's a swan song and the ending of Supermarination, a changing over to live action and more adult themes. While I'm here, says Danny, can I get an idea of what people think about Joe 90? I love the series, and I see now that Chris Dale is a big fan too. I understand maybe why Jamie Anderson does not like it, but it irks me when he mentions it. Now, lots of other people weighed in with some very positive views about Joe 90, to which sure Danny responded. Right well, that's, yep, he says, that's great, guys. It's really nice to know that I'm not on my own as a Joe 90 fan. I think we should not take any more of this Joe 90 slagging off. I do not go around <laughs> slagging off Terrorhawks, even though I don't care for it much. Wear your win badge with pride, brothers and sister Podstrons. Be proud and come out of your big rack closet. All hail the bespectacled one. Oh, uh, he says, uh, sorry about that. That. Got a little bit carried away there. I think I'll have a lie down. All the best from Danny. <laughs> Joe 90 well, fan, obviously. Danny did mention the fact that he doesn't really care for Terror Hawks, so I would say that completely gives me credit for at least one. <laughs> I don't really care for Joe 90. Um, so, yeah, I, it, each to their own, but you're right, it's fine to say you don't like something, yeah. as long as you, you don't say that people liking it is a bad thing. You're yeah. welcome to love it, and I get why you do and I as I've said International Concerto good episode the music great um yeah okay Joe 90 for you there you go alright there you go well that's all for now but do join in the fun on our Facebook group there are a lovely bunch of people who'll keep you company throughout the night <laughs> many nights of the week with their quizzes and their streamings and their screenings and their shenanigans uh, just a few questions to answer we'll let you win and you can join in the fun along with I think now oh, I think it's about 860 odd Members which is, which of the is Jerry amazing, Anderson podcast group. Yeah, that's not all listeners, but it's no. listeners who want to be part of that community and use yeah. Facebook and yeah, can be bothered really. Yeah, and, but that's absolutely. great because that's a lovely, lovely group of people who are yeah. all marvellous. I, yes. I don't think there, I don't think there are many uh, set twos or anything like that. Are there on that group? No. If there are, we just ignore it. <laughs> Best way for it. Yeah, it's what you do with bad behaviour, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes, I shall be ignoring uh, Danny. Uh, for the rest of time <laughs> after his Joe 90 rant. No, I'm joking, oh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Have you got more? Or is that no. it? No. That's it for now. Oh, God. So you want to interview, do you? Yes, come on. That's what we're here for. <sighs> oh, okay. God, okay. Well, in addition to his work as a writer and graphic designer, Shakila Vacant is also a prolific member of the Jerry Anderson fan community, best known for curating the Jerry Anderson Complete Comic History website, which as its name might suggest, was the most complete history of Anderson Comics ever assembled. Rather Ooh. sadly, as many of you will know, it is no longer online, but it can be found via the Internet Archive, or the, the, uh, the Wayback Machine. But uh, Shaki has kept all his records and has been an instrumental part of our UFO comic anthology series, which is now available from the Jerry Anderson store. He's also been busy working on something else, which we'll be talking about very soon. Uh, and we'll be working on hopefully some other things which we'll be talking about not quite so soon but in the future um he might hint at some of those types of things but probably not directly uh but for now here is part one of two of my chat with shakula vacant so hot on the heels of uh ufo comic anthology volume one i guess maybe not so hot because it took us a little while because you've had a lot of work to do shaki uh i'm going to introduce you in a second i just thought it'd be a really nice idea to have a chat about the process of bringing this together uh how complete is this complete collection uh where you find your art how you write your features and how it all comes together because uh although i'm very happy to see it happen I am not the person who brings this together and makes it happen. The person who brings it together and makes it happen uh, is with me now. Shaki, would you like to introduce yourself? Who are you? What's going on? <laughs> okay, I'm Shaki Levacant. Uh I'm a 57-year-old ex-graphic designer, currently working at a school in Sussex. Jamie kindly approached me at the beginning of 2021 uh, with regards to the comic project. Obviously, he knew of my expertise through the Jerry Anson Complete Comic History website, which ran from about 2004 to about 2012 or so. I take it that was where you kind oh, of Oh, yes, absolutely. I, you know, if, as far as I was concerned, if anybody knew about comics, it was you, and there was no better, better resource. Uh, well, I, you I know. want to ref- refine that to Anderson Comics, because obviously that is... Are there any other comics? Was. There aren't well, any other comics that I care about, Shaki. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're quite right. I mean, it's, uh, that, that is our world. Absolutely. I know at the time, uh, I think it was around about January when you uh, got in touch with me, but I know it took a few weeks to actually get our heads together and uh, chat on the phone, at which point you explained the, the actual lay of the land, what you, you hoped to do. And uh, basically, is, am I interested? And of, yes, as a fan of the Anderson series and the Anderson comics. Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you actually chose UFO first because I did grow up with Countdown. Uh, I did used to get it on and off. Um, I can't swear to getting it every week, but certainly it kind of alternated with Looking, which was the other love of my life yep. uh, comic-wise throughout the 1970s. And then it was a case of what can we do? Mm. And I, I think you recall me diving in headfirst with a list of all the strips. An incredible and, list. Well, initially what I called the primary strips, which are the ones relating directly to the series, and then the secondary strips with the, the lesser-known material like um, the Mark of the Mistrons in Solo and also the rather nursery-orientated Thunderbirds from Candy. And basically myself giving a shot in the dark and saying this is a popular brand such as Thunderbirds but the thing is they have all been reprinted uh, 
to one degree or another with varying degrees of success. I mean, there yeah. was the, the part work, there were the uh, Reynolds and Haynes uh, volumes, which managed to actually acquire some of the original artwork and so were, were superior. And it's a case of which one do we want to go for? And as we have now proven, the first two volumes were UFO. And I'd like to think that they have been successful. I, I gather UFO Volume 1 has actually gone to a second print run. It has indeed, so. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Volume, the Volume 1 first print run sold out fairly quick. It's been really popular. And from the reviews and stuff, yeah, I was really, really pleased. I hope you were as well. You should be. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, not wanted to cut in, but obviously we got the first volume out just before Christmas and I was going to my parents. <laughs> I remember frantically telling you, send them to my parents because I'll be there, not at home, and I don't want them to arrive when I'm <laughs> not there. And uh, they were surprised because this hefty package arrived with uh, volumes not just for myself but for, for them and my sister. And it was staggering to actually see it in print. I mean, obviously I knew what the print size was and it was going to be you know, quite a glossy finished product, but actually seeing it was just, it's quite amazing. Yeah. And uh, I made my parents quite proud. Oh, well, I'm <laughs> glad to hear it and quite right too. I mean, they're, they're, mm. they are lovely things and anyone who's mm. watching who's got volume one or volume two or both will, I'm sure, be nodding in agreement because they are hefty, beautifully put together things. I'm interested though, what, you know, you say like Thunderbirds has been reprinted to varying degrees over the years and I've seen collections mm. right from the 80s onwards i'm sure um Mm. you know varying types of things ufo never got the same treatment so from your point of view why was that do you think i don't know if it was just down to availability i mean i know having grown up with it that obviously the jerry haylock art was superior as was the uh john m burns later I think it just didn't quite have the same kudos. I mean, Thunderbirds was a worldwide success. I mean, it was it was massive here, massive in Japan, obviously not so big in America, but it's, it's a name which has lived on. And obviously with the recent um, CGI remake, uh, it's, it's continued, you know. I mean, I, I think, not wanting to mention another series which got too much uh, exposure in the last chat... Doctor Who kind of put it in the shade because it ran for longer. I mean, obviously, of course. there weren't as many episodes of Thunderbirds, but it was a much more original idea. Uh, that's not to say the others weren't, but it's just one that has... It's, it's chimed with a lot of people, you know. I, I think that's why the remake was, was made, you know. It was, it was at the right time. I suppose the other thing may have been that it just... It was it was under a lot of people's radar. I think. Yep. I mean, Thunderbirds was part of Supermarination, and Supermarination in itself was a brand. And so, if you had Thunderbirds, as with the comics in the nineties, you had Stingray, you had Captain Scarlet, you had Joe Ninety. Yep. Apart from uh, Space Nineteen Ninety Nine, which followed a few years later, UFO. It just. I, don't, I wouldn't say it didn't appeal as much because obviously it does have appeal. You know, there, yeah. are, there are fans, particularly in Italy, uh, which is where we went with some of the features in Volume Two. It's difficult to say, really. I just think by itself, it, it just may not have had the selling appeal. I mean, yeah. certainly when you wanted me to, to band ideas about how to make these volumes better than just straightforward reprints, uh, I know I did pitch the possibility of doing a new strip because John M. Burns is still around. Yeah. Um, but obviously the license didn't allow for that. Um, and so I try to think if we're going to go with complete volumes, think of them like DVD sets and let's have extras, which 
give the reader, whether they're a more casual reader or a dedicated fan, something a bit extra so they know something of the background, um, try and open up the field to the stuff that we didn't have access to. I mean, I did have all of UFO 1988, but <laughs> as you're aware, we kind of ran, almost ran out of space just reprinting all the other material. Yeah, um, It would have been difficult to pr- reprint that and translate it. Some of it, I think, I think would have been awkward because manga uh, is a much more... It can be more adult, and there certainly were some adult scenes in there that um, may have made your hair stand on it. I mean, not well, not drastically. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it may have done. Uh, not not drastically explicit, but certainly um, less appropriate. We may have come. Sorry, less appropriate somehow. Less, less appropriate. Yes, I mean, we may have had to go in for some censorship, and having seen other manga since, trying to understand the genre. Sure. Um, there, there were certainly, whether it English translations, quite obvious censorship. But um, no, so that was the flip side of not being able to bring anything new stripwise to actually try and give some context for the features and feature other comics that people may not have been as aware of, yeah. hence the Italian and, and the manga. So are the, those, those features your sort of highlights for this set, would you say? What, you know... What elements um, should people look out for if they if they've just picked up a copy? Well, yes, I mean I'm I'm quite proud of the UFO 1988 uh, feature, which I called the special feature because it was longer. I mean, originally it was more, it had more detail about the strip, but we had to edit it down to fit. So, but I think it would bring a whole new angle of UFO to, to readers, you know, and see how other countries perceived it. And obviously the other one uh, was being able to interview not just uh, Kez Wilson, who was the man behind Miscellaneous Mayhem, the attempt to revive the Anderson comics in the early 2000s. Uh, I finally caught up with him, had a, a quite long chat and interview about, which was is the backbone of the Witness to the Mayhem feature, which basically yeah. gives the background not just of the UFO comic, but also the supercar and the Fireball XL5. Um, since I not sure, we may not do supercar and Fireball XL5 just yet, it, mm. it made sense to actually have the entire background of the comic as a prelude to, to actually being able to reprint their UFO comic, which was, was completed but never happened. So... So right, we kind of we've spanned the whole UFO comic history really in these two volumes. The only thing we haven't done, there were contemporary UFO comics and strips in Japan, um, but because the, the clock is always ticking with regard to deadlines, yep. it wasn't. I wasn't able to get my hands on those. I was able to get my hands on all of UFO 1988, and I thought we'll concentrate on that because not only have we got what was published, even though it. It doesn't actually have an ending as such. Um, then, at least readers could see what was going on with another country taking up the mantle and producing a sequel in comic form. Mm. So a, f- a fair amount of work, but there's always more you could put in. But in- oh, always, always. I mean, they, they, yeah. <laughs> not to say it's a, it's an art, um, but they say that art is abandoned; it's never completed. There's a yeah. point where you have to draw the line and say. <laughs> actually it does seem to be uh, a common phrase in Japanese anime and manga we do our best and I think we did our best with that within the time I mean we could have dragged it on for years but no. <laughs> got to get it out uh, at some point Jackie. we have to get it out at some point yes yeah 
In terms of collecting all that material then and, you know, bearing in mind mm. time limits and stuff, what, what are the, the main challenges, particularly for Volume 2? Were there, were there any difficulties you, you came across? I had almost all the countdown issues. Um, am I allowed to mention names? And th- thank you yeah, for people. Yeah, of course. Um, Stephen James Walker, who kindly lent us the absent issues for uh, Countdown for Volume 1 and for TV Action for Volume 2. I had more gaps in my TV actions than I did in my countdowns. So, but obviously, without his kind um, loaning of the issues, um, well, not that we would have sent it with gaps, but uh, he responded to the call for help and yeah. uh, allowed us access to, to scan them. Okay, but otherwise, you were pretty much set, which is you know another reason why you're you're the man of the job, really. Um, actually, with regard to UFO 1988, there were two issues I was down and uh, a very kind fan called uh, Bernard Dunn I hope, I hope I pronounced his uh, name properly let me have scans of the prologue uh, it was actually some months later when we went through it I actually was going through my, my shelves and actually found I did have that issue I just I just put it to one side but uh, no, he, he was another fan who was very helpful with regard to foreign comics and um, and and, and information in general he's he's very up on uh the anderson comics in other countries so he he is another fan who uh who may get tapped <laughs> brilliant well it's a, there's a there's a big team a teamwork aspect in this i guess which is very fitting of shadow well yes and also um, i hope i'm going to pronounce his name correctly uh paolo malaguti of iso shadow the uh italian ufo fans association again he was very helpful in looking over my features uh, and creating information brilliant well th- thank you to our other contributors nice More from Shaki yeah. next week uh-huh. there you go some hints Great. about how we're putting these things together and the process yeah. and all that I mean they're such lovely books they are beautiful yeah um, and I know that everybody who's involved with them is very proud of those comic collections and I mean it's I don't know how long does it take you to read a four page strip 15 Not, minutes maybe yeah, if you sure. really kind yeah. of enjoy it and absorb yeah. it these yeah. things are hundreds and hundreds of pages <sighs> long so it's it's like lovely you can lose it's like getting hundreds of hours of yeah. of content of episodes of ufo and even though yeah. some of them kind of go a bit bonkers uh <laughs> they are really really lovely things so anyway if you want to grab a copy of the comic anthology you can go to ander.sn slash ufos um, nice that's andr.sn slash ufos and that will show you both uh, copies of the ufo comic anthology should you wish to get one and you don't already have one yeah great i know they're very much appreciated by the podstrons i see occasional posts on our facebook group and also on twitter as well people posting when it arrives and how impressed they are with the uh, Ooh, yes. with the artwork and the stories and the layout and just the whole the whole kit oh, and caboodle it's a, it's a it's lovely. lovely package it's a lovely mm. package so well done team putting that together Yes, great. Uh, now, uh, over on YouTube, uh, hmm. people have been commenting uh, just beneath the last few uh, podcasts and fab facts. Ian Dealey, for example. Well, actually, he says, I've got a very good idea for some new merch, and that is to have some plush toy versions of the various Anderson craft and vehicles, which is rather fun, isn't it? It is. Uh, we've looked into these before. There's hmm. a bit of a tricky thing with manufacturing and the minimum orders and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but... 
I, I would definitely never say never because yeah. they'd be, they'd be cool. And yeah. there you go. There's Minnie agreeing there in the background. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he goes on to say, I've really enjoyed the two-part interview with James Swallow and his story about being part of the Space Precinct magazine team. And also the bit about uh, Space 1999 reference in his uh, Star Trek DS9. Yes. Book. Right. That's very good. That was great. Uh, Rudolph uh, commented, uh, this is under the video about getting rid of interference in uh, TV screens during mm. Space 1999 and UFO and so on. An explanation I hadn't given any thought to, he says, but I'm amazed not only by the solution, but how the show would have been terribly distracting had they not solved this problem. It was a great foresight yep. by the creators to realise this too. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? John Nowak says, if I recall correctly, some animated shows from the 1970s would actually edit in a rolling strobe effect on monitors, presumably to make it look more like live action. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, isn't it? Why would they Bonkers. do that? Uh, Rodney Kelly says, I remember when I first saw the rolling scanline effect of TV. This was way back when I was in short pants, so to speak. Uh, it was a commercial for a medical research centre that was being endorsed by Cass Elliott. Uh, the commercial showed medical technicians watching video monitors with the rolling scan lines. I thought that the lines were just like the sweep of a radar beam on our radar screen. Uh, at the time, I thought it looked cool. And finally, Folginator simply writes... Love Joe 90. There you go. Great. That's it. Now, see, if you, can, see if you can just move on without passing any comment. All right. Ooh. Come on. Go on. Go on. You can do it. Let's move on to the... Come on. The, the, Chris Dale. The, 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 that's it. Don't but comment. What, but what just, if it's that show? No, on come the on. Run? Come on. Come on. Okay. <clears throat> well, while um, I was receiving a tirade of comments about my likes and dislikes... Oh, yes. I'm... Um, very pleased to say that a rather dishevelled-looking Chris Dale oh, yes. has arrived. Where's he um, been? I mean, it looks like he's been mountaineering, but I think he's just been uh, trying to find me. Um, oh, yeah, right. I mean, I've, I've only moved about 10 metres from where I was before, but uh, hmm. he looks like he's been climbing mountains. Anyway, hopefully he'll recover and get his breath back in time for the randomizer because he's about to press the big red button, give us a random episode of a random Jerry Anderson show and say lovely things about it, unless it's one he doesn't like, in which case mm -hmm. they might mm -hmm. be a bit less lovely. But mm. we'll have to wait and see. Here's Chris and Randomizer. Professor Bergman, it's Chris Dale. We've just passed through the laser barrier, and Steiner will be making this week's Randomizer selection momentarily. All right, we're watching you closely. That's it, Steiner. Button's just there. Yes, well done. Hey, you can let them know if you like. Thanks a lot, Professor. Good, Steiner. Thank you. Then we just wait a moment and uh, take a look at the printout. And it's... Oh, oh, no, oh, no! It's an increase in brain activity. Steiner, I think he's in trouble. Doctor, he is in trouble. I need some help out here. Out of the way, Steiner! I've got to get out of here! Professor, he's gone berserk! Ah! Ah! Yes, Dinah, we're, we're coming in now to watch 
Pillywig gets a present. I suppose we haven't been here for a while. When was the last time we were here? Oh, that was at uh, the uh, live podcast recording, wasn't it? Up in Birmingham, where we delighted everybody with the first episode of Torchy. This is episode 14. Pillywig gets a present, which I can only assume will be some kind of severed head. Uh, Pillywig is the clown, I believe. Um, Let's find out. All these characters, they're so vibrant and fresh, I'm surprised they don't stare my mind more. Turbyland. He hasn't got a bell on his bicycle, so he taps the tingling bird instead. And when he doesn't want anyone to hear him coming, he doesn't have the tingling bird. Are you going to laugh at me today? I will if you're funny. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, I've got very high standards for you, my clown friend. Five. (laughs) What colour's an orange? (laughs) Orange. You win this round, Torchy. Uh-huh. You better buy yourself a book of riddles, Pilly. Or I'm coming round to cut your hands off. <laughs> do you know where I can get one? I don't, but when I go down to Earth, I'll bring one back for you. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> uh, but what can I do in the meantime? Ooh, I mean, I stand around and be hideously ugly and annoy people? That's what everyone else seems to do around here. Boys laugh, and I love everyone to laugh at me. Oh. Dear. I'll be so miserable. Oh, well, never mind. Don't cry, Pillywig. Lots of people think you're worth laughing at. Those pyramids in the background. Oh, he's standing on his hands now. Why are there pyramids in the background? I've never noticed those before. I'm trying to, but I can't. But you always... (laughs) Torchy's sense of humour isn't working. Maybe the problem is Torchy. I'm also noticing that his uh, penny farthing there is marked one penny, 1959. It's an actual penny, the large front wheel. So there we go. This is all taking place in 1959. Pillywig, I'll think of something. That night, as Torchy lay in bed in his pineapple house. As he did. Think of a way of making the toys laugh at Pillywig. It was a vain hope of solving that problem. You can't do lots of tricks and ask riddles. Anyway, we know all Pillywig's riddles. Yeah. We've seen his tricks hundreds. This material is growing old. It's difficult to keep laughing at the same things. Hmm. Well, people keep coming back to the Jerry Anderson podcast every week, so clearly there's something to be said for uh, reliable repetitiveness. What's Torchy's plan going to involve? The toys were cleaning their fruit houses. Oh. Right. <laughs> oh. Hello, Flopsy. <laughs> Flopsy's doing her best to ignore him as well as she might. You're not. Oh, God, there's Squish. I'd forgotten about him as well. Hello, Squish. Laugh at me. Why should I? (laughs) This is quite pathetic. I mean, even for a Torchy character, this desperate need for attention is quite sad. All he's doing is standing on his hands. Will you laugh at me? Or will I have to slash my wrists? Ken... Oh, 
dear. No, I'm sorry, Pillywig. I can't laugh at you. Oh, dear. All laughter and mirth is gone from Topsy-Turvy Land. Oh, dear. Pillywig, whatever will he do now? I'll ask Flopsy to come for a walk with me and, and maybe we can think of something. Oh, yeah. Flopsy with her renowned brain of Flopsy. And they walked and... Wouldn't anybody else be a better candidate to come up with an idea? Well, between the two of them, they're going to have this problem solved in no time. You know very well I can't. I'm a little rat dog. Oh, no. My seams are all undone. It's very creepy the way the puppets suddenly start singing, and it's obviously pre-recorded. Oh, this is quite sweet, though. The two puppets are holding hands and dancing around as, uh... Well... As best they can, it's not, you know, a full choreographed dance number or anything. They they danced a little way that way and they danced a little way back. Yes, I would be so tiggle toggle. Uh-huh. Oh, oh dear. Sudden close up shot of Torchy nodding in time with the music there. So wiggle woggle. Ah, he did it again. It's very unsettling when you're on the business end of that stare. I'm not sure what it is, because the puppet is hideous from all angles, but when he's looking straight at you... Uh, maybe it's the show's established uh, track record of breaking the fourth wall. Sight when I see my face in the glass. I scream and run for the hills. <laughs> That's such a funny song, Flopsy. Oh, you should get Pillywig to sing it, then. Dear little ragdoll, I love you even though you do look a sight. Oh, dear. Oh, this is what true marriage is based on. I'll race you to the piggle poggle. That's from uh, Torchy's, uh, Torchy's Guide to Picking Up Women. He knew what Flopsy was trying to tell him. Ah. For in front of him, oh. he saw the sea. What a lovely sandy beach this is. Just the right place to drown and murder people. Yeah, they've actually got a beach on the puppet set with water. That's quite uh, adventurous for this show. I wonder what's on that island in the middle of the sea. It looks Ooh. most exciting. Yes. There's a boat over there, too. Maybe we can go out to the island and have a look. That's a good idea. Come on, let's go now. Hmm. Oh, okay. Started to row the boat across the sea. Right. This is starting to get to that point where, you know, in, in certain films... I can't remember what film specifically, but it's been parodied in various things where... They paddle out to the middle of the river so that one of them can uh, can murder the other one. I feel sickle-soggle. This does feel like Torchy is about to slam an oar over Flopsy's head and finish her off. Oh, yes, that's all the better for me to smash your skull in. When we arrive, we'll get out and explore the island. Considering there's only two puppets on that screen, there's an awful lot of strings. The sky is just full of strings. I don't know if the boat might have been on wires there. This is. Everything looks very dark and miserable. Ooh, so they're on a dark and miserable island. Uh, much like the one they left, quite honestly. It doesn't look too different. Oh no, footprints. Gosh, they must belong to a very big animal. Oh dear, uh, we better get back to the boat. 
Mm. We don't want to run into an interesting animal and have something exciting happen. Something hiding behind it. Oh, dear. Who is it? Nobody's answered. Then let's go nearer and have a look. Yeah, what's the worst that could happen? That's all you do with dangerous animals. If they don't come out when you call, you go up to them and show them your face. Oh, dear. Thank goodness there's nobody there. Come on. Oh, Ooh, yes. Oh, they sped up the footage as uh, Torchy ran away from what appears to be uh, a bipedal female wolf. And our brave hero has run up a tree, <laughs> presumably leaving Flopsy to fend for herself. Hello. What's your name? Earlop. How? What? Uh, it isn't funny at all. Earlop? I used to belong to some American children, and they never said hello. They always said hi. So they called me Hi Ina. But Ina is really my proper name. <laughs> oh, okay. Ina. Do you well, this is another freakish and confusing character we're being introduced to here for the first time. <laughs> ah, that laugh is quite unsettling. I think it's because the, the puppet's jaw just opens and stays open for the whole thing. Well, this character is thoroughly unsettling. Uh, Lonely and miserable. Is this where Topsy Turbyland sends all its insane people? I always laugh when I'm miserable, and I always laugh when I'm happy. You see, I... It's a curse! I laugh every moment of every day! Please kill me! <laughs> <laughs> Fancy that! Flopsy, come here! I want to show you something! Where's Flopsy? Oh, Flopsy was just standing there. Doing nothing. Nothing going on in that head. Who are you? <laughs> no, stop laughing, for God's sake. I can't help falling down. I'm not laughing at you. <laughs> and I'm not laughing with you. I'm just laughing uncontrollably because it's what I do. It's supposed to be endearing or something. <laughs> I can't help it. I always make that noise. <laughs> <sighs> She's Ina, the laughing hyena. And it's obvious that she's been left here as some kind of punishment. She's been isolated from the rest of society. Let's take her back to Topsy-Turvyland. What a wonderful idea. Then Pillywig will always have someone to laugh at him, whether he's funny or not. <laughs> yes, let's, let's not help him resolve his problem. Let's just create another one. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I eat toys. I hope that's not a problem. <laughs> and go to Fruta. Pillywig the Clown was waiting for Torchy. <laughs> because he had nothing else to do with his miserable life. He promised to try and think of something to help me to be funny. Uh, maybe you need some new material for your act. You know, the whole standing on your hands thing does get a bit boring after a while. And find out. How many apples make five? Oh, five, of course. Uh, what colour's an orange? Orange, of course. Oh, gee. Can you think of anything new? No. No, I can't. That's the trouble. No one will laugh at me anymore. Oh, we'll always laugh at you. You're hideous. Your nose alone is worthy of great mirth. <laughs> the wolf thing just suddenly lumbers into frame. <laughs> I'm too miserable to have a friend. Well, we're all miserable, but we've all got each other as friends. Just cry too. <laughs> <laughs>
Good gracious. Oh, you're laughing at me. I always laugh when I cry. And I always laugh when I laugh. I'm a laughing hyena. I'm an evolutionary cul-de-sac that makes no sense. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy. Oh, well, I'm glad someone is. Oh, we're done. Okay, well, that was Pillywig gets a present. Uh, yes, because if, if one of your friends is feeling sad, all you need to do is go to a distant island and find someone who has obviously been exiled there for their own safety, bring them back to annoy everybody, and that'll just solve everything. So, uh, yeah. Um, what more can I say? It's a thoroughly standard episode of Torchy that introduces... Once again, a terrifying new character that I suspect is probably not going to come into play much more throughout the course of the series. I get the feeling that a lot of these characters were just introduced for two episodes and then never showed up again. But we will probably see as our torchy odyssey continues over the next however many years the randomizer has got left. <sighs> yeah, it's a nice sunny day as well. I could be outside doing, I don't know, anything. Let me watching Torchy. <sighs> oh, Torchy. Oh, poor Chris. Yeah. I mean, he, he watches it so we don't have to. That's what I always think. Yes. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. I mean, he looks, even, he looks even more disheveled now. <laughs> um, but who wouldn't after a run-in with Torchy the Battery Boy? Yeah, quite right, too. Really. Let's hope for not Torchy next week, but, you know, maybe... Even something that came between Captain Scarlet and the Secret Service, yeah, for, like example. What, for example. What would that, that be? Wouldn't that be nice? What, what, do you mean like something really highly regarded and liked I mean, by millions? Doppelganger. Oh, doppelganger. Yeah. Actually, have we, have we already had Doppelganger on the round? I don't know. It's been 216 pods. How do I remember that? I can't remember anything. No, no. that's fair enough. No. Anyway, Chris will be back next week with something that hasn't already been on the randomizer, but we can't tell you what because one, it's we random. can't remember, and two, well, it's, it's random. random. It's random, yes. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. <sighs> uh, now, just before we go, uh, one person caught my attention on Twitter this week, uh, simply by tweeting this. Why all the endless fuss over Thunderbirds? Terrorhawks was way better, although neither will touch Starfleet. Mm. Oh, I was quite pleased about that email, and then I suddenly fell away to uh, yeah. disappointment. Yeah, there we go. Uh, mind well. you, someone does respond by saying, I always had a preference for the original Captain Scarlet series. I'm just a sucker for character dynamics, I guess. Ooh. All right, there you go. Interesting. Yeah, tell us your thoughts. Uh, do hashtag us on Twitter, by the way. Hashtag Jerry Anderson Podcast. Tell us your favourite series and why you love it so much, uh, and I'll read it out next time. Uh, yes, that's your yeah. your thing. You do that, yeah. don't you? It's very, you're very good at it as well. Well, Best yes, Richard, every, every now and then. Collating yeah. them and reading them. Yeah. Uh, that's it. We're done. Yes, We're done. I think it's so. It's over. Yeah. 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 So, oh, yeah. Minnie's asking for attention again. I've got lots of dogs to deal with here. So yeah. please do subscribe, rate, review, revate. Uh, mm -hmm. at your leisure no not at your leisure at our no. leisure do it now please thank <laughs> you very right. much yeah it all helps massively but it's all it's always lovely to hear from all of you so do email us podcast at jerryanderson.com and make sure you tweet us hashtag jerryandersonpodcast I am at I'm Jamie Anderson he's <laughs> at Richard N. James and yep. the dishevelled randomizer bloke over there is yeah. at Chris Dalek yeah. so uh Right. And actually, if you don't already follow our main account, it's at Jerry Anderson TV, which I suppose is possible if you're on Twitter and you sure. are an Anderson fan. But we keep finding people all the time who yeah. are Anderson fans and don't follow us. I mean, yeah. I was having a chat with a fantastic uh, comics writer 
very recently who mm-hmm. uh, is a huge, huge fan and didn't know we were online. So there we go. Oh, really? But surely that's the first thing you'd search for if you were a fan and you just got Twitter. You'd go, well, I wonder if my favourite TV producer is online. Well, maybe mm. they maybe they don't do that. Yeah, obviously maybe they don't. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you found us, Podstron, and that you're yeah. still with us. So thanks for listening. We hope we didn't make your ears too clammy and we w- will uh, wish you well for your upcoming week. Should we do uh, that? Yeah, OK. It's very formal. Yes, we wish you well. We, we wish you well, week. and we bid you adieu. Adieu. Uh, <laughs> see, see you in pot two one nine. Bye. Bye. Stage one complete. Let's go. Adieu. Mm. Mm. Yes, that's a good word for wordle, isn't it? Because you get almost all the vowels in there. In yes. Fell swoop. Like facetious. I mean, that's no good for wordle, but that's got no. all the vowels in order. Yes. Is, that is, is, good. The, is that the only word in the English language that does facetious. that? Facetious. It's possibly. Yeah. Could be. Now, yeah, nice. Mm. Something interesting that came up in discussion. I doubt it. This week. Go on. Yes. <laughs> Not with me. Well, so, this is very weird and I feel a... I probably shouldn't be sharing this on the podcast, actually. And yet, I now have to. So, um, I realised that everything around you, your brain knows what it would feel like and taste like to lick. (laughs) Yes, okay. Even though you've never Ah. licked any of those. If you look anywhere around you right now, wherever you are, you look at something, you've never licked that, and yet you know how it would feel. That's really odd, isn't it? You're right. Isn't that odd that so, your brain has developed a model for yeah. pre- predicting? Oh, that's really weird. So I'm in my little sound booth and I'm looking at my my uh, you know my sound insulating foam tiles. Yeah, and I can absolutely <laughs> imagine what that would be like if I were to lick it. Likewise, on the other side, I've got a very bobbly sort of uh, duvet that's just hung over the bare yeah. stone wall. And likewise, I I can absolutely feel what that would feel like to lick. That's very isn't that odd. weird. I'm going to tell Charlotte that. Yeah, I think you should. But basically, if, if you can find anything that you look at and think, actually, I've got no idea what that would be like, I'd be interested. Yeah. But I'm pretty yeah. sure every wow. surface, everywhere, <laughs> bizarre. I don't know. I don't know what evolutionary purpose that has. No, but, but I like it. That's cool. really good. Yeah. Well, thanks anyway, for that. There you well, go. It was, worth, it was worth staying on for. <laughs> it's not normally, but I'm sure lots of people will disagree because that wasn't very Andersony. But there we go. It was not uh, at all. No. Anyway, well, maybe next time, if you're still listening, Postron, you watch an Anderson show, you can imagine what it would what be like, like to lick, to lick Captain Mitch Scarlet's the tunic. Or Mitch the Monkey. <laughs> it just, you go straight for Mitch the Monkey and I went for his tunic. But yeah. I, I can imagine both, strangely. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, great. Okay, right. It's t- time to go before this gets any weirder. Thanks for that. See Bye. you next week. Lick you soon. Bye. I can imagine it anyway. You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.